Welcome to episode two of the CCCG Roundtable. We are your hosts, Dragon Rider and Itachi. What's up? Hello, good evening, everybody. Hello, hello. And this week, we are joined by, by a very special guest. Now, Itachi, would you please do the honors of introducing our guest? I gotta introduce my mans. I gotta introduce, you know the right way. What's good, YouTube? <laughs> it's your boy, Pro Winston here on the TCCG Roundtable Podcast. Pro Winston, my boy Jarrell, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Beautiful. Everything's beautiful. How's the family? Um, family's wonderful. Um, moved to Tennessee, and so enjoying life uh, in a in the mountains. And I don't know if it's the I'm stuffy, but I don't know if it's the mountain weather that I'm not used to. Like it's getting cold here, and I'm used to it still being hot in Louisiana right now. So. Mm -hmm. If I'm stuffy, I feel fine. Okay, right. Um, how are you doing, Don? Good. I'm good. I'm excited. I I hear you have quite the history with card games, and I am I'm I'm excited. I, I want to pick your brain a little bit with uh, kind of your history and competitive, and talk about playing multiple card games. Because I think we've all, all three of us have played multiple card games now, but I'm always really interested to like talk to other people about how they like different card games and, and all that. But I think before we get into that, we should chat a little bit about you and your histories. So like what got you into card games in the first place and what different games have you played? Oh, wow. Um. Dom, ah, uh, Dom. What am I supposed to say? This is, <laughs> oh man. Um, well, wow. Um, I'm kind of shocked. Um, I'm kind of honored to be here. Actually, let me start off by saying that. Um, with all due respect, Dom has a place in my heart that a lot of people will never understand. Um, I grew up, I grew up different than most. Let me say that. And this will this will attend to why I how I started the game and all that stuff and why I play multiple card games. As most of you know, I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh at the age of probably 15, 16. I asked my mother, can I go to a trip? Back then, every trip to me was just getting out and going to a tournament. And I asked my mother, can I go? And she told me no. So I waited until she went to sleep and I got on a Greyhound bus. And I remember John De La Bounty won that tournament. And um, I took the Greyhound bus by myself. I went to the tournament. I believe he won Gold, Gold Sarcophagus that year. Yep. And um, yes, and I was I was scared. And I lost on a bubble. I was playing Invader the Throne and all that good stuff. That was the flip card that says that you switch. And then they eroded it and said that you don't switch. And then they changed it back or whatever the case may be, to my knowledge. But that was my very first event. My mother woke up, called me on my little Nokia brick phone that the only game they had on was the snake. And um, she said, Jerrell, where are you? And I said, Mom, don't worry. I'll um, I'll be back soon. I'll be back soon. Not knowing soon was later on that night. And I showed her what I was doing. And I, sh I showed her on the internet or whatever, because back then, the websites always covered up Yu-Gi-Oh! for any little thing. It was metagame and everything, right? Yep. I'm pretty sure people could find it if they tried. Um, 
And she told me, if you ever go outside Jarrell again like that, take a coat. That's when I knew that something in Yu-Gi-Oh was just that deck of cards that I had with um, all these effect monsters that flipped Manny the Bug, Invader, anything in the world, Invader the Throne, anything, um, it would be good. And I just started playing ever since then. Most people know that I grew up homeless. Most people know that I grew up in foster care. So for me to stay out of the streets, it was an alternative for me. And that alternative was Yu-Gi-Oh! at the time. I branched off into other card games during that time, my 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 span that I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And um, versus Magic the Gathering, any card game, I Pokemon, like any card game I really loved and enjoyed. And I just never stopped, you know, I never stopped. I, I always told people that I can never promise a miracle, but I could promise a movement. And, and the movement was always there for me. I never wanted people to feel sorry for me. I never wanted people to feel like they had to give me anything. I wanted everyone to know that I came from nothing. And I can inspire everybody the same way that, that I was inspired. And I traveled around the world, you know, and to look fast forward just a little bit, because I can be here all night lecturing. I just never stopped, you know. I never, I never stopped believing in myself. And yeah, that's that's a little brief history of how I got into the game. Then I always played for cards, right? I always played for cards, so I always was very competitive. And um, I never wanted to play the best deck of the format. And I always played the second best or the or the second tier deck or whatever. Just wasn't the best because I always believed just because you have the best decks doesn't mean you have to play the best decks. You can have the best decks and master how to beat the deck. And that can make you a better player than the player that's piloting the best decks. I always believed in that. Um, I never wanted to be the person that was known as being cocky or whatever. I wanted to just remain humble. I still, to this day, am humble um, to a lot of degrees. Like, my life has changed, though, in the last couple of years. I got married, as most of y'all know. My wife is not here. She's at work. Um, I got a son now. And um, yeah, it's just a lot of things here that is um, a little bit different, but I still play, right? I still play Yu-Gi-Oh to some degree. I still play Magic a little bit more now because there's a lot more money in Magic that I can win. I got a job. I can't really disclose the job, um, but I'm pretty sure y'all can put two and two together. My days off is not really um, easy to get. So I have to take my vacation days. And if there's a Yu-Gi-Oh event or a Magic event during my vacation, then I will go. But yeah, that is um, that is a brief synopsis of how I started playing the game and what got me into the game. But let me tell you what card games I've played. Let me just reiterate it. I always played Yu-Gi-Oh. I always played Magic. Yu-Gi-Oh, I just always played a little bit more because I was better. I am better at Yu-Gi-Oh than I am with Magic, right? Um, and Pokemon was another game. Pokemon was another game that I um, drifted into, in a way. And Dragon Ball Z is a little bit versus I played a lot with some of the greats. I don't need to name them. Um, there's just so many to name. But Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic has always been my main, my main go-to. And throughout the time that I've played Yu-Gi-Oh, I made it to countless tournaments around the world. I never stopped um, traveling. I went to Japan. That's where I proposed to my wife at, actually, um, two years ago during COVID. I, I took her to, 
I took her to Japan, the same place that I topped at um, with Exodia. I took her around there and um, I proposed them. I went back there to Japan again for a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. I went there for Worlds. I went to Italy when I hosted, when I was a part of a three-man team that hosted a Worlds event on Twitch in Italy, Rimini, Italy. And um, I was on that Twitch um, stream team. Um, I went to Colombia. I went to, I, I traveled around the world for Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm traveling around the world for Magic. It's it's something that I love to do. It's something I will continue to do. It's not as easy for me now, but I still try. Every day I'm on the computer, I'm on my phone, I'm on my tablet playing mm -hmm. these cross-platform games. I'm I'm right now, if I could show you my monitor, I have Magic the Gathering up on one screen and I have a Yu-Gi-Oh display on another, trying to figure <laughs> out what I can do. Like that's what I do. And I have cards right here just out the Wizards of Yu-Gi-Oh magic and sleeves that I'm trying to, I, like, I just, I just want you to know that I've never stopped, right? But throughout this game, I met countless people. I met countless people that I can call friends. I even met countless people that I look up to. And you don't have to be a great player, great whatever, to look up to somebody or to have someone look up to you. You just have to have a kind heart. Um, Throughout playing Yu-Gi-Oh, though, I also branched in to the judge circuit. And some of my greatest moments was becoming a Konami judge because it allowed me to see the game from a different angle. And I believe that in order for you to be good at something, you should understand and comprehend and yeah. not ignore all the facets of that um, streamline avenue. And um, that's what I did in Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think that ultimately made me better so when I came back to top nationals with um, uh, Ritual Beast, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. um, I remember that I topped that nationals. And that morning, I was with my cousin Ira. I spoke to Dom. I spoke to Jacob Robles. And these are people that I spoke to. And I said that I want to play Ritual Beast, but I want to play Mistake. And everyone said, no, it's a mistake to play Mistake. And I said, no, if I can, if I can bring out a board that's deadly, and I activate mistake. I should win the game. I should always win the game. It's like you playing Gladiator Beast setting up, and then you're playing Royal Oppression. You know, like there was there was there was countless combos back in the day. There was countless moves back in the day. I'm, I'm gonna stop you real quick, just so everyone is on the same context. What what he was referring to when he said play mistake. Mistake is a card in Yu-Gi-Oh. It's a trap card that says your opponent, can, neither player, can add cards to their hand. Um, except by drawing them. So there was a lot of decks that did that. Like the way that you gain advantage in Yu-Gi-Oh is by adding cards to your hand. Um, and so essentially you establish a, a really large field of monsters and then you flip this card that says, okay, you don't get to play your deck and then they lose. So that was what yeah. Jarrell did in uh, Nationals. Mm, I don't remember what year was that, 2015? It was something like that. A couple years ago, um, <sighs> It was, I bring that up to show you that when you are competitive in the game, and let me just look at the mic when I say this, because I mean this with all my heart. When you when you are competitive in something, you shouldn't let the fear of ignorance dictate your playable skills or the skills that you believe you have. Can't nobody be a greater supporter for you than yourself. So you can tell me until you're blue in the face, 
yo, Jarrell, this is not going to work. Oh, Jarrell, you shouldn't play this. I'm going to say, okay. I'm going to say, I hear you and I understand you. But through my testing, um, through my everything, I believe that it can get me a game win or two. And that's what I did. Throughout my whole Yu-Gi-Oh career, though, I must, I know there's an elephant in the room. It's probably behind me. It's probably in my son's room or something. But I know there's an elephant in the room. Jarrell, why did you stop playing if you never won? I can only say that I never stopped playing. I just took breaks. I don't think you should force yourself either to play in a format that you don't like or enjoy. You don't get nothing out of that. Sometimes the best person or the best player or the one that has the most advantage is the one that's out looking in. That's number one. Number two, I can't tell you why I didn't win. Everybody knew that every time I made it to the finals, every time I made it to top four, and I made countless top fours, I made it to the finals in um, in California when I played against Jeff. Mm -hmm. I made it to top four when I played against um, Tyler Tadman. And Nationals. And, and Nationals, and I was supposed yep. to win that one. And I did win the match. Ultimately, at the end, I did win the match in everyone else's eyes. But on paper, I lost because I should have did life with a pen in the paper. You know, and I actually beat him, but he was taking life. And that's another reason why I tell you, I can't tell you why I didn't win a lot. The history books will show for itself that I that I never complained when I lost. You can see, you can look at my countless YouTube videos. Even there was a great video, um, the issue between Tyler Tadman and Jarrell Pro Winston. Like, that will explain everything. I even made a video to address a lot of speculation, which I don't do. There's a lot of people that will try to antagonize um, people that are um, high stream media or whatever the case may be. I was doing YouTube when I'm pretty sure y'all all know that there wasn't a YouTube um, group, right? I I did all of those things and I never got sucked into the negativity. So that's just a little bit about me and saying a lot, <laughs> but... Um, I thank a lot of people that supported me throughout the years that still support me to this day um, in Yu-Gi-Oh! and in Magic. And I can only say thank you. And I can only say that I still love all y'all. Y'all already know how I feel about everybody. Y'all already know how I feel about Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm pretty sure y'all know how, how I feel about Magic now. And that's really all I can say. I still play the game. I still talk to countless people. I'm still a judge in Konami to some degree. I still know some things that will probably help a deck or two because I play. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's a, that's a lot in a little way. So, um, before we move into news and talk about, talk a little bit about your accomplishments. So I know that you were, um, Shonen Jump Anaheim and back in 2009, second place. That's when you lost, lost to Jeff with Light Swarns. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in Shonen Jump Edison, which is, highly regarded as one of the most premier old formats of Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm, mm, um, don't people even get currently, me started. People in 2022 play that format for fun. Kind of like we go back and think about old formats in Hearthstone or Magic, except Magic has a format for it. But we we have um, uh, events in Edison format because that event was so skill intensive and that format was so skill intensive and very fun to play 
Um, so that was in 2010, top eight with Light Sword Monarch there. And then moving to 2012, you top forward the um, what what's called Nationals, the World Championship Qualifier, top four with Chaos Dragons. That sent you to Worlds. You went to Worlds. You were a, a madman and you played Exodia at Worlds in 2012. Um, I remember looking at I remember looking at the ban list because Worlds for Yu-Gi-Oh has a has mm-hmm. its own ban list. Um, it separates from standard because Japan has their own ban list, North America and Europe have their own ban list. But for Worlds, since everyone's converging, it's almost mm-hmm. like a mixture of the two, but um they remove some cards, they add some cards. It's a very weird format. Um so I, I remember Jarrell saying he wanted to play Exodia, and I'm looking at the band list going, there's got to be something better than this. <laughs> and um, he ended up playing Exodia, top eighted the world championship in 2012 in Japan, and then YCS Indianapolis in 2012 as well, top 32 with uh, Karakuri Girgias. Uh-huh. Uh, and then 2015, another Nationals top, top eight this time um with ritual beast and that was the one we were just talking about recently so a, a wealth of accomplishments a wealth of top performances someone listed there i might be forgetting um but a fantastic Yu-Gi-Oh career to have gone to worlds and to have uh topped multiple nationals so uh, great career there just to talk about the accomplishments and um like i said before we move on into the news which Don, I'll go ahead and let you get into the news so that we can get back into our conversation topic for the day now that we've got a good introduction for Jarrell. Yeah, yeah, you're over here, like, you know, spouting serious stuff. I'm over here, like, tearing up. I mean, seriously, like, if card games had a spokesperson, you should be it. Like, I am blown away from that, that whole thing. Like, your history, just your life, like, we're, we're we try to keep this like a pg maybe pg 13 show so like you know insert x words in there mm-hmm. because like yeah. i'm just wow that thank you for sharing that that was incredible no problem thank you for listening it um it changed my life you know and um to this day i still think it i still i'm still thankful for it i'm still thankful for the friends that Stayed up countless nights playtesting with me in the lab, um, playtesting around the world. I still, you know, uh, before there was remote duels, we was doing that for testing, you know, on Skype and Oval. On Skype, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. Playing cards you know, on Skype, yeah. You know, before there was a remote duel, we was testing. So, I mean. Don, you want to hit the news and then I'll cover competitive play real quick. Yes. Yes. So. For our news over this past week, uh, we have we talked about it last week, but Marvel Snap is launching next week, starting Tuesday the 18th. Uh, they just put out uh, today, Friday, as we're recording this, I believe uh, they put out like their little announcement teaser trailer type thing. So that was pretty cool. If you want to check that out, it is on their Twitter. I'm sure probably all their other socials. Uh, definitely, I know. We talked about that extensively last week, so we'll... We'll move on. Uh, but also this week we had Legends of Rune Terra patch 3.17.0 launched on Wednesday, October 12th. And that brought the next expansion, uh, Domination, which is the second chapter of the Darken Saga. And along with that expansion in the patch, they also included three new champions and the Arc Light event. Uh, the Arc Light event 
uh, is running from October 12th through November 16th. Uh, that ends November 16th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, but we have the link in the description in the show notes if you want to uh, check that out if you haven't. And then we also had a Hearthstone balance patch that brought some changes to standard and some battlegrounds. And they teased like the next patch, which I saw on like Twitter and stuff too. There was also talk about, uh, sounds like there's going to be some big stuff for battlegrounds in that next patch as well. But was there something else teased because I missed it. Um, no, this is just, okay. So they talked about the next patch and, um, they talked about how they got some, what, did, what was the, the exact verbiage they said? Um, uh, let me look. I'm, I'm actually looking for it. Mm. It says, we don't want this compl- this patch to completely shake up the meta because we have something fun coming in patch 24.6. This is around the time. Um, it should be about a week and a half to two weeks from now where they'll introduce the Halloween patch. That's per their usual yearly um I think it's Hollows End or something to that effect. I can't remember what what exactly the name is, but it's the Halloween patch for Hearthstone is what they'll end up releasing. Yes. And And, there might be something else, but I don't, I think those were kind of like the biggest uh, card bullet points that, that I saw for news that's not competitive play. Yep. So in competitive play news, um, we just saw this past weekend Hearthstone Masters Tour Maw and Disorder uh, completed. Fury Hunter from EU won again a second Masters Tour. That is an incredible accomplishment. One of a very few players to win two premier events. Um, Legends of Runeterra Awakening seasonal tournaments took place with Teddy TCG being crowned the EMEA seasonal champion and Floppy Mudkip being crowned the America's seasonal champion. And then next will be the regional world's qualifier. That'll be on November 19th for Legends of Runeterra. Um, Infinity Wars uh, Classic having qualifiers with $100 prize pools. And that is October 21st and 22nd, leading to a playoffs tournament with a $500 prize pool following the weekend. Oh, the following weekend on October 29th. Um, so qualifier winners will face off versus four invited players and my co-host Dragon Rider is one of those invited players. Yay. So if you are playing Infinity Wars Classic and you qualify, you will be playing against my wonderful co-host here. And the links for those will be uh, below. Um, so here at the round table, we have a discussion topic every week. And the, the, the beautiful part about this is that every everyone can love their card game. You might love Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic or Pokemon or Hearthstone or uh, Infinity Wars, or anything. Whatever your card game is, your love for that game uh, is is your own. And so you can... What's, what I think is cool is when you learn a new game and you can translate things that you learned throughout those games. For me, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, as most people know, for a long time. And then I moved into Magic for a brief period of time. I was able to apply... Yu-Gi-Oh concepts to my very first Magic tournament, having never played a tournament game in my life, and then win the tournament. Um, I moved on to Hearthstone, and I was able to apply Yu-Gi-Oh concepts and concepts I learned from my brief time in Magic to Hearthstone, and I was able to qualify for winter playoffs super, super quickly. Um, so, like, as soon as I got into real competitive play, 
I won a tournament to qualify me for winter or qualify me to play to get to qualifier for winter playoffs. And then I top four that tournament as well. So tournament play in Hearthstone had translatable uh, lessons or, or concepts that I brought over from other card games. Uh, so the roundtable topic of the week is learning and playing multiple card games. And Jarell, I want you to weigh in on this as well. Um, mm. Some skills don't necessarily always translate over from one game to another. So for instance, I know that in Yu-Gi-Oh!, using life as a resource is one thing, but you can't really like <laughs> you can't just use life as a resource and you get you don't have a i mean you have eight thousand life points which sounds like a ton but you're gonna die in one turn most of the time like 99 percent of the time you're dying in one turn um so what skills have you found that translate between card games i'm gonna give you a clear example on what happened to me this past um weekend i celebrated my 32nd birthday on the 9th of october and um, I flew out to Dallas to play in a Magic um, 30K and two 5Ks, depending on if I didn't top the 30K. And surprisingly, this hasn't ever happened to me before. I lost the first two rounds of the Magic tournament. And I was, in my mind, I was defeated because I've been playing card games forever, right? And I said, wait, in Yu-Gi-Oh!, and Yu-Gi-Oh, we literally play eight, nine rounds day one sometimes. And then we play three or four rounds day two. I have the stamina because I never really stopped playing competitive tournaments, even on the computer, right? I have the stamina to take go all the way. But for some reason, I lost. So now I'm playing on the bubble. In Magic this past weekend, that's what happened to me. And... Round three, I won. Round four, I won. Round five, I won. Round six, I won. Round seven, I won. And this is like, whoa, wait, like, whoa, hold up. Which pro Winston are you going to get? Are you going to get the Yu-Gi-Oh pro Winston? Or are you going to get this new magic noob that always collected the cards but never really played the card game? And, like, everybody was shocked. I was at, first they said, how are you at top table starting off? Oh, two with no buys, no anything. I said, I don't know. Like, it's uh, something is going on. And then I, I lost on the bubble in round eight. So, oh, I lost to Nick. His name is Nick. Very good magic player. He was playing a deck called Murktide. I was playing Hammer Time. My deck is a combo deck that can beat you in literally one turn, just hit, swinging for 20 life or more. And that's all you start out with in magic. And I say all that to say, I went X and three. To some people that don't know what the X is, that is the wins that you have, and that's the first part of the term X and three, or you could just say the rest of the wins that you have, right? So if there's eight rounds on day one and I want X and three, that means that my record was five and three. If there's six rounds on day one and I want X and three, my record is obviously three, three. So the X is just the remaining um, wins minus the amount of losses compared to the... Uh, the rounds in that day. I took from Yu-Gi-Oh! Stamina to answer your question bluntly, right? Stamina from Yu-Gi-Oh! Tournaments allowed me to maintain a steadfast head in that tournament. Minus the um, the manipulation that you can do during a card game. I always found that if you play Yu-Gi-Oh! 
if you kept a like if you kept a good poker face, it really doesn't matter if you had a bad hand or not. And magic, you just keep on mulling again down until you don't until you really don't have a choice. I took stamina from the game from Yu-Gi-Oh, translated it into magic. I took collection. Um, and I I I want to say this because I believe it's important. Not only stamina, but being prepared for a tournament in any game that's physical, like you need a card, like you really need to hold a card, I think you need some form of collection. And Yu-Gi-Oh, it was no surprise that I did not have everything. I had a good job, um, but I didn't have all the cards. I didn't have copies of the cards. And Magic, I can literally say for the last 13 sets of Magic, from the last set that came out last month, 12 boxes prior, I have four of every card. I say that to say I did that for myself because I wanted to be mentally prepared. If Don or Dom wanted me to come over to their house or we fly out to a tournament the next day, I wanted to be prepared for an event physically so I don't have to worry about it, right? When I started flying out to Magic pre-COVID, I, I took that from Yu-Gi-Oh. It's easy to walk around in, in Yu-Gi-Oh and say, do you have trades? Do you have trades? Do you have trades? Not really knowing that I'm just trading something for this deck instead of just buying it, saving up the money, scrapping what you can do to buy the card. Now I can honestly say, if I wanted a deck in Magic right now, not to brag because that's because that's never been me, but if I wanted a deck in Magic, I would just open one of these boxes I have. I have like countless of these boxes from the last 12 boxes, right? And I'll just open the deck and I will make the deck and I will practice by myself, in front of myself, shuffling both decks. I think you need a collection and I think you need your own collection. And having a collection, you are always ready. And you being always ready saves you enough time so you don't have to get ready. Stay right? ready and, so you don't got to get ready. Yeah, and that's very important. That is very important because at any given time, when you feel that itch, when you feel that itch that you can't shake, and I felt it in Yu-Gi-Oh! countless times where I had to fly somewhere because I believed in the heart of the cards, right? Man. Or I believed that I could do it. I had those cards. I think a lot of people fail when they're transitioning to different card games because they act like they are new to card games or they act like they're new to games, period. I don't think that's true. I really do not think that's true because we all have it in us. So if I could say anything about me taking something from one game and bringing it to another or having it benefit me, I will honestly say that I took stamina and having a collection very seriously. Not only that, one Magic tournament I was in Kansas. It was the Grand Prix in Kansas. There's a card named Teferi. Um, it was rotating out of the format. I sold it to the vendor for like $20 or whatever because I didn't play um, Modern, and they just made Pioneer a new format. They just made Pioneer a new format. And in, in doing that, I lost out on some money because I never played on um, Pioneer before. Pioneer is the last 15, 16 sets or whatever. Modern is the last, I don't know, 25 sets since 19 something during the Great Depression. And then you go to Legacy and Vintage. Oh my God. <laughs> so um, I said to myself, what did I do? And then I started to play Pioneer. 
And then one of the best decks in Pioneer played this card, and I just sold four of them, I think, for seventy dollars or whatever. Because I don't really, I don't really care about money or cards per se, because I believe that you can always get them, right? That's just my and theory playing Yu-Gi-Oh. That wasn't like that in Magic, because if you sell a card in Magic, now you have to search for it, and cards maintain their value in Magic. So this card that's been out forever is now ninety to a hundred dollars. So I could I just sold four hundred dollars worth of cards for uh, I don't know like a fraction of it because I didn't play the format. That's why I started branching out in three formats. So in Magic, I play Standard, which is the last sets for the last year and two. Then you have Pioneer, and then you have Modern. Those are the sets that those are the formats that I play. So yeah, if if I can take anything from Yu-Gi-Oh and tell anybody about it that's listening or watching or being told to tune in because we got such a great show tonight i would say that i would say stamina and i would say your collection to have is very key in transitioning to anything and that can be online or not you know that's just my opinion it's true yeah i think for me probably one skill that i feel like has been very useful across different card games and i think you brought it up earlier when you uh talked about your experience in one of the magic tournaments you played a magic deck that was like a, a, an OTK style deck, right? A one turn exactly, kill yes. type deck, which mm -hmm. I think you you had that experience kind of from Yu-Gi-Oh! From what Itachi has been telling me a lot, it seems like kind of Yu-Gi-Oh! can play out that way. And yeah. I think, you know, I've done that same thing. I tend to be more of a player who likes aggressive, you know, aggro style decks and even maybe mid-range tempo style decks. And so when I try a new game, I just say, okay, that's the experience I have. I'm going to take that into this game. Like, how can I play this card game in that, like, aggressive style? What kind of aggro decks does this game have? And exactly. then I can use the experience I already have with that, that like, archetype to try to learn the nuances of the new game that I'm learning. I think you said it. I think you I think you said it exactly. Like, it's it's no matter what game you go to you always revert to what you are comfortable with you know in Yu-Gi-Oh, i was always that aggressive player or combo player never a very slow player though so slow decks i really don't i really didn't care for um it's very hard for me it's it's like i will get bored sitting there watch you gain advantage because i'm not doing nothing like i'm already at a disadvantage because I'm letting you get an advantage. No, like I'd rather put pressure on the board. I mean, I like playing Chain Burn in Yu-Gi-Oh. I like playing Burn decks in Yu-Gi-Oh. I like playing Ceasefire, Just Desserts, Secret Barrow, Des Koala, like all, all these things, like Nemomomongas, um, I, I, Upstart God. I, I don't, I, listen, I can name Burn cards and gaining life cards for days, right? But when I came to Magic, my first Magic deck that I bought was the Mono Red Burn deck which is a very good deck. Burn maintains its its deck and its value regardless of its 500 or if it goes up to 1,000. If you're coming over to Magic, you will probably, in my seeing it now, you'll probably always spend around that amount for the Magic cards. Maybe, maybe on this low side, $300, but that's what I did when I first came over because I, I was a Magic player, Burn player, and in Yu-Gi-Oh, I was always this burn combo player. Then I started to play combo aggressive decks. 
for me, Gladiator Beast, Gagios, um, Life Swans, these are all combo aggro decks that I've done well with. Chaos Dragon, these are all aggro decks that I've ever, that I've done well with. So that's what I do in Magic, you know? And even for me, even for me, right? I carry this deck box around, right? Oh, um, God. What is that? This is the Ultimate Guard deck box, but I'm going to show you something. I carry all my decks in it, right? There's two Pioneer decks and there's two Modern decks, right? One is Burn. Like, this is Burn. What? No. This is Burn. This is the best deck of the format in Modern. This Murktide. This is the Mono Green deck in Pioneer, right? And this is a, a Burn deck. These are all what I play, right? Um, but I have all the cards in the format to make anything else, right? And I say that to say... I don't know what else to do, but I, I I tell you one thing. I can never play blue-white in Magic because I can't sit there and just say, go, go, go. I have seven cards, go. Like, I'm not flying out five hours across the world to sit there and play a control deck. Hell to the no. I, I can't do it. If I'm going to lose, best believe I'm going to lose because I'm trying to be what I normally do in Yu-Gi-Oh! or magic or pokemon i'm trying to do something aggressive even when i tried to do there's a new card game that's coming out soon um i was test playing it with some people that's good in poker and magic and they're all a part of this game in the coming in the coming weeks it should be broadcasted i should say i'm one of the people that's testing with a couple of the other pros in the game um i'm playing aggro in that right and this is a new brand new brand new tcg um even when fresh and blood like it's oh, oh my god like i don't I, I i don't know how to pick up something that's not aggro i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i i, 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 I can't so for me uh i think the best thing that i took from Yu-Gi-Oh was adjusting a game plan because i'm the type of person that wants to know a deck inside and out that way I can understand things before other people do. So I can understand how many uh, of a copy of a card that I want to play in Yu-Gi-Oh! Or if I want to play this card at all. Or I can understand that uh, Brilliant Fusion is really good in Shadals or that Super Poly is really good in Shadals, no matter what the matchup is, even if it's not a, a mirror match. Like, I can understand uh, when certain cards are good. And I even wrote, like, and when certain side deck cards are good because I can, especially against the, deck that, the decks that I'm learning, and I usually try to learn the the populist decks in the format and i feel like one of my strengths in Yu-Gi-Oh was side decking um for the reasons of i like to learn things inside and out so i know what's good against them i know what beat me so i know how to portray that in whatever deck i'm going to play so switching up game plans and uh knowing how to adjust your game plan which side decking is simply adjusting your game plan in between games so a game like hearthstone where you're playing whatever deck that you have in front of you if your game plan is not going accordingly, if I'm playing an, an aggro deck and I need to, I'm realizing that this is, you know, I'm playing against a control matchup and I need to win either very, very quickly. And I don't discover the ability to do that with my hand. Where can I go with this game plan to win in the long game? How can I, how, how can I stretch my advantage out, my ability to create advantage and to make their removal awkward? So stuff like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the old articles that still holds up to this day, and it's it's very rare to write an article, you know, seven, eight years previously, and it still have merit and weight. Uh, I wrote an article called The Scientific Method of Side Decking, where I took 
uh, I think I might have been in college at the time, and I was taking a ton of science classes. And we were doing like experimenting and stuff. So scientific method was always in my head. So I used the scientific method to learn how to to learn how to create a side deck in Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, that article is still up from a team that I was on previously called ARG, which was Alter Reality Gaming. Uh, with and I got to be on that team with some of the legends of the game. Said all that to say, Hearthstone, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Runeterra. Every game, no deck works the same every single match. Every time you shuffle the cards, it doesn't happen that way. Um, you have to know how to summon your 2-2 with no effect when you just don't have the cards in your hand because you got to apply some kind of pressure. You got to know when to discard two cards from Megalo that don't do anything because you got to get your 2400 up. You got to know how to spot lethal through your opponent's play as well as yours. You got to know how to checkmate you got to know how to checkmate um so that was something i was able to carry from Yu-Gi-Oh to hearthstone and, and one of the things when i was stream i would put uh i never miss lethal that was like my stream in my stream title all the time i was like i never miss lethal i, not miss lethal. I count lethal turns and turns ahead yeah um and I'm, I'm accounting for how much to heal a deck which is why i love open list formats if i can see your deck list yeah. i feel like i'm at a major advantage because I know everything that you can and can do. And that, to me, I feel, I always feel in an advantageous position. If we both have equal knowledge, I feel like I know how to use that knowledge better than most. So uh, that's my takeaway from Yu-Gi-Oh! Is adjusting game plans and using the full extent of the knowledge that I have. And I think that, um, especially in Yu-Gi-Oh! Even in Hearthstone, because I was around for the beginning stages of Hearthstone, uh, I know how the game works and I've seen it evolve. And the same with Yu-Gi-Oh! I know how that game works and I've seen it evolve. I know cards. The card pool is ridiculous in that game. I know cards that are still legal from years ago that nobody would ever think of, at least not immediately. Um, and I can throw them into a deck when I see a ban. I love ban lists. I can toss a card into a deck and be like, okay, no, no one has any idea what this card does. Uh, I'm way ahead. And you don't get to be ahead for long in Yu-Gi-Oh! Because people catch up quickly. We're in the internet age in the internet era where information is so readily available um it wasn't always that you could search a card by exactly what it did oh you know this deck summons level two monsters let me go search level two in this database but you can do that now so being able to be quicker than that just by what i know from my own experience playing the game and picking up every card reading every single card and knowing like even if this card isn't good now this is a very good effect it just doesn't go with anything that's in the format. So knowledge for me is is the biggest takeaway. Jarrell said stamina. Stamina is absolutely a big part of it. I know I talked about that last week, how Yu-Gi-Oh! has these super long events and you have to be uh, on your P's and Q's all day or you'll play you know, six rounds and then you have two more to go and you run out of stamina and you lose. So you spent your six rounds uh, just preparing to lose <laughs> in the last two. So that's me. That's where I'm at. Don, um, what do you think, Don, let me ask you this question. And maybe I, tell me to relax <laughs> if you feel such the need, but do you think that he's wrong? Do you think that he's wrong when he is telling you that he sees lethal when most people don't? No. Do you think that that's a, an advantage that he has? Absolutely. 
this is what I'm saying. Like, it, it's uh, I don't think I'm the guest on this show. I I, I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm the guest. This man, this man is a new person. Every video, you know, every stream. What <laughs> the reason I say that is because, um, and I know I've been talking a while, but forgive me. Um, I've no, always I've always been real and genuine when I spoke. Never, never tried to be anything but genuine. He's telling the truth, guys. He's telling the truth. He is, he's one of the few people that I know, and I know a couple. I know a couple um, of people that I've tested with, not because they tested with me and taught me a lot, but if I had help with what 15 cards to put in or what side deck goes into what um, cards goes into what deck or against this, they would tell me about it, but they just won't tell me about it. They will tell me about it and why. It's funny that he brings up that article because I was looking at that article. You know, in Magic the Gathering, actually, they um you're allowed to write your side deck versus all the top decks of the format, and you're allowed to bring out that sheet of paper. So if I'm playing you and you're playing this deck, ABC, and then I'm playing whatever i can see my side deck for abc and then the next i play dark side i can see my side deck for dark side he's telling you that he has came up in his mind with a formula or whatever have you whatever you want to call it a skill a tactic a benefit an advantage or whatever the case may be on how to do this that is something that takes time that is something that takes persistent knowledge and care for what you do. It's not always about um, trying to be somebody else or trying to be known or stuff. Listen, um, I didn't want to be pro Winston to the point that I blew up and been. I just wanted to be a person that never gave up. I wanted to be a person that was known for playing what I wanted to play. You couldn't tell me what to play. He's telling you that he was shocked when I played Exodia. Hell, I was shocked when I played Exodia. <laughs> I didn't have a deck when I went to Japan. When I qualified for Worlds, and I'm pretty sure you can ask Franklin DeBrito, um, one of the one of our one of my friends. He came to my wedding earlier this. Uh, listen, you can ask him. He was in the hotel room with me. I said, "Bro, I don't know what I want to play," and I went with Team America. We all went out there. I'm not really a I'm not really a team type of person. I will rep your store or whatever the case may be, but I never found a right team other than the team that I play test with. Right? So we went there with Team America. Team America, if you remember all of them, they all was playing their own their own thing, right? Yep. Tyler was playing his own thing. Kevin Rubio was playing. They all was playing their own thing. I was in my hotel by myself. Frank came on the door because I went with Konami. A week early or whatever the case may be. Like I told you, I'm still a Konami judge or whatever. So I paid my extra to travel with them. And I didn't know what to do. All everybody knows is that there was some African-American that flew to Japan with a mohawk in his head with the American colors in it. Red, white, and blue. <laughs> with USA on one side and stars on the other. That's all everybody remembers. I went to this Japanese local, honest to God. You can look at the videos. It's somewhere on YouTube or somewhere in the world. Type in Jarrell Pro Winston Exodia Worlds. When I assembled the pieces, they was Japanese pieces with the green background with the with the, the star. star 
You know, like that's what I didn't know what I wanted to play, but I know that I didn't want to play chaos, nothing. And I know that I didn't want to play in sectors. Why? Because everybody else was doing that. And they changed the rules for, I think they changed something changed with insectors, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't think what it was. I think something something changed for that list that America really wasn't prepared for. And when we got the list in our emails, we were told not to share it with nobody or whatever the case may be. So when I play tested or whatever, I said, I didn't like anything. So they said, Jerome, what are you going to play? I said, is there a Japanese local anywhere? So I went to the Japanese local and I was sitting there. Okay. Again, I'm an aggro player. I don't like to wait. I need something fast. I thought about Exodia. Somebody in my area was playing Exodia one day and I liked it recently. So I said, okay, this is fast enough for me to try. Let me try. And I, I promise you, in the words of Dom, I saw lethal. <laughs> even when I activated, even when, and if I'm lying, God can kill me now. Even when I activated Exodia, because you have to activate Exodia in Japan. Exodia just doesn't happen. You activate it and then it happens. It just can't be negated. All right, now, that's what we were told in the Japanese meetings. Hello. So when my Exodia activated, let's say, or whatever the case would be. And I'm just joking around with you. But when I played Exodia, right, I didn't have the arms correct. I had the arms opposite. So Exodia was like this, or whatever the case would be, right? So Exodia had a head right here, and the arms was like this. My Exodia was like this. The judge told me to fix it. The judge told me to fix it. Nobody else knew what was going on. But when they saw Exodia, the whole crowd got up, and they started playing a swan song. Like, we were playing... Hey, goodbye. No, somebody played that theme music, and that was my first round when they saw Exodia being there. Oh my god, the world! I don't even know what to say, but yeah, I saw Lito, and that's a that's a very good benefit that he has. And I just wanted to remind people you saying Lito means that you understand the game state. You understand what cards you lose to if they are potentially drawn. You understand what cards you need to win or get an advantage that will put you in a higher bracket of a win if you draw them. So you have to determine if lethal is now or never. But lethal can't be prolonged. It cannot be prolonged. Every time you shuffle um, and you draw the hand for the respective game you're playing, you should always try to see lethal. And sometimes it's like 30%. Sometimes it's yeah. 10%. And sometimes it's 1%. And you just yeah. gotta know it's now or it's now or I'm not gonna win the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a fantastic skill that I think translates across the different mm-hmm. card games. You know, when you were talking too, it made me think of uh you, you said why. Like, okay, like you wanna include these cards, but why? And for me, like I have been a huge proponent of that aspect for improving your gameplay, getting better. And like that also, it doesn't matter what card game you play, right? If you can understand why you are including certain cards in your deck or a sideboard or why you are using cards in a certain way, you will absolutely get better. You'll absolutely improve your win rates. You'll understand the game and the decks in different ways. Mm. And you know, I still remember like a you know story from when I was, this was, oh my gosh, I don't even know, four or five years ago now, 
something like that. Uh, okay. The first time that I hit Legend in Hearthstone, I'd been playing at that time. It was uh, Murloc Paladin was popular. Yeah. And, you know, all these people like I was playing a, a certain card. It was a two two that you discovered a secret and it was a Murloc. And everybody's like, this card is just yes, this card's awesome. You just it's auto include. And I tried it and I was like, I don't understand this. Is that the one that summons? Is I'm sorry to cut you off. Is that the one that summons like seven uh something from the seven decks? Oh yeah, yeah. That that yep. was when that was popular. Yep. I know something <laughs> about Hearthstone. You know, I, I yeah. mean, I, I know just a little bit, just a little yeah, bit of yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, and, and like I kept playing it and going, I don't understand. Like I don't feel like this card is very good, or I'm I don't know how to make the the right decision in picking which secret I wanted. And so what I did is even though everybody else was saying that, yeah, that card's great or that card is auto include, I took it out of the deck and I put in the little charge Murloc that was like a three, one charge and could, as soon as it hit the board, it could go face. We've already talked to the show. You know, I'm a pretty aggressive player. I'm like, that's how I like to play. <laughs> so I face. put those in. If it got summoned from the deck, I could hit face with it. I could, you know, I could send that damage as soon as I played it. I could pull it out with uh, the Murloc that buffed and attack for even more. And that was the deck that I first hit Legend with. And nobody else thought that that card was good. But for mm. me, it was like, I see why it was good for me. And I understand why I'm playing it and what it does. But I didn't understand that about the other card. And just making that change, like, I think... At one point in that same month, which a, a Hearthstone season is is only a month long, okay. At, there was a day that I just struggled so hard. I had like an eight percent win rate. It was it was really bad. Yeah, single digit win rate. It was terrible. And then I made that change. I kept playing. I kept practicing. Like like you said, I didn't give up. And within that same month, I hit Legend with that deck. Mm -hmm. And it's like this is why because I understand how that card is interacting with everything else. And I, I think that's a skill, too, that absolutely you can use between all of the different card games, like understanding why is this card included? What is its purpose? You know, is it for a specific matchup? Is it to help the win condition of the deck as a whole? Like what what does each card do? Why do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. And if you can't, honestly, if you can't find a reason, try changing it. Yep. Switch it up. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think just uh, like uh, the understanding is, and, and sometimes the understanding comes at a at a price. Like sometimes it's difficult to to bring your yourself to a new card game. I remember I was telling you guys about the Magic tournament that I played and did very well mm -hmm. at the first that I didn't know the concept. I knew card game concepts. I didn't know Magic concepts. Yeah. I played a card called Sun Titan, which has vigilance, which means you don't tap it when it attacks. All I knew is I wanted to attack with Sun Titan. <laughs> and so I kept tapping it. And my opponent kept going, no. And he would untap it back. And eventually, I even, in the finals, I got a game loss because I had done it so many times because oh, no. I'm just not, I wasn't used to magic. And the judge kept seeing me and he would correct it. Then I got a game loss in the finals, still won the finals after continuously like making an error that that I should like I wouldn't have made if I understood magic but I understood card games so well that I could create advantage I was it was Gavany Township it was a, a terrible deck it wasn't a great deck but I understood how it worked 
And so just like you said, if I knew what every card did, I didn't care. I didn't even care what they knew, like what they could do. I knew what I could do. And every time my opponent played a card, I'd read it and I'd say, does this stop what I can do? Nope. Done. All right. This That's goes it. That's you can, it. You can play that. That goes through. And so that was my experience playing Magic and just like having to having to bring over my innate experience from playing cards, um, even though I didn't understand the game to the extent that other people who've played it extensively do. So that was me. Um, but how, so Jerome, you've done well in multiple card games, as you said. Um, do you feel like, how how challenging is it to be a top competitor in multiple card games? Not just, because in one card game, you can spin all your focus and say, you know, I'm going to get good at uh, playing Macro Rabbit in Yu-Gi-Oh!, and that's going to be my calling card. Like, as long as this deck's good, I'm going to be good. But how do you do that across multiple formats, across multiple games? <sighs> uh, <laughs> um, okay. So I oh, would have. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting a little hot. You also mentioned Sun Titan. <laughs> Let me just say something about Sun Titan. It's a six drop, six, six card that says when you swing, right? I think this is the card you're talking about. That when you swing, you get something back to the battlefield from the graveyard that's um, converted me into three or less. If that's the card that I believe you're talking about, the card is stupid good. That's number one. Number two, you should have got a game loss way sooner because of what it does. <laughs> <laughs> but you still winning after the game loss was um done or given out it's something remarkable that's number one number two i was i'm going to change up some of your words a little bit just because i am a humble person i was successful in Yu-Gi-Oh beyond my wildest dreams um i craved the day to pick up a Yu-Gi-Oh deck again and play in a format that i like um wink wink um and um i'm somewhat decent in magic i topped countless friday night magics in my local where there's 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 cash prizes i came in second i came in first one day um some a a lot of times i come three fourth and magic we can draw intentionally draw so everyone gets some money or whatever the case may be that's not true in a lot of other games or whatever but um, to answer your question plainly, I don't, I don't know how to answer it honestly because I think you have to have drive. I think you have to have a drive that you um you want to do well. You know, just because you have a team that can provide for you, or just because you have a a rich spouse. You know, or just because you're ashamed to um, to do something against the grain shouldn't define you. And that's what I always wanted to do. You asked me how it's possible. I always used to tell people on my YouTube channel when I was a big streamer, whatever you defined as big or huge in the in the streaming world, um, nothing's impossible. Because I'm possible. Right, when right. you write impossible down, I always broke it up. 
And every time I looked at that word, I always said that I'm possible. It doesn't matter what challenge is in front of me. It doesn't matter, right? And it doesn't matter what's in front of you because if you believe that you can do it, you can do it. Yep. I believe that I can balance two card games. I believe I can balance three card games. I know for a fact I can balance one card game. Yep. Why not try? They make deck boxes big enough to hold multiple decks. Why not have a deck per card game? I got a Fresh and Blood deck. I got a Magic deck. I got a Yu-Gi-Oh deck in my bag when I go places. Yeah. Hell, I go to work every day with these in my bag just in case somebody wants to duel on the street. I'm I'm with all the antics. Yu-Gi-Oh, I always practiced. I always practiced. I, I always practiced. I always had notes. Magic is the same thing. To answer your question bluntly, just never stop. Yep. Just never stop playing. Just never stop trying. You're going to win. You're going to win when you least expect it. And you're going to win when you expect it. But we all know that you're going to lose once in a while. I wouldn't care if I lose the whole month of September. As long as I know that in October, I win one match. Why? Because that's advancement. That's progression. You know? Yeah. You can't rush these things. You can't. It took me years to make it the world's. I, I have a I have a question and it's it's a rhetorical question. It's not it's not meant to be answered, but it's kind of the way that I'm having to adopt my mindset when I'm playing like qualifiers for master tours or tournaments for Yu-Gi-Oh. It's if 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 the Pharaoh Yugi came up to me today and said, Hey, you are five tournament losses away from winning nationals. You're five, you're five scrubbed out tournaments away from winning nationals. If somebody came up to me, if the Pharaoh came up to me and said that, I'd be scrubbing, I'd be intentionally scrubbing five tournaments. And it's the same thing. If you're if you're six losses away from a top, if you're if you're four top eight losses away from a win, embrace the losses. Embrace the time it takes to get there. Embrace the journey. I play a game called RuneScape, and I know Don. I've talked to you about this before in another podcast, but like, yes, RuneScape is like my favorite analogy for how much it takes to be good at something because you have a you have a, a level from one to ninety nine in every skill, okay, and you have to get a certain amount of experience points, and the amount of experience points from level one to level ninety two is the exact same as the experience points from ninety two to ninety nine. 92 levels, seven levels. That difference between those seven levels is what separates somebody from being good at something to somebody being great at something. They say that they talk about the 10,000 hours theory where you got to put 10,000 hours into something before you can master it. Uh, I don't know if you've, I've read books like what's the, what's the book called? Uh, the, the books that aren't even related to card games. Uh, I talked last week about Patrick Chaffin's book, Patrick Hoban's book. Uh, the poker players book. What's the Jared Tindler talked yeah. about all those, and they introduced fantastic concepts. But a lot of those concepts that they introduced mentally come from outside of the game. Talk about embracing losses, embracing luck, embracing skill, embracing practice time. Mm -hmm. So to be a competitor in multiple games, you have to be able to embrace all those things twice over or three times over. 
And so it's difficult. It's very difficult. It's hard to be a, a competitor in multiple games. I've seen it trying to play Hearthstone and Yu-Gi-Oh at the same time for sure. Um, it's difficult because there's a lot that you have to know. But if you can embrace your your time and your losses and your lessons learned, I think you it, it's sky's the limit. You can be good at every card game. Yeah, yeah. There I was. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I had I had one time that talking about the the mindset and like believing in yourself for one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember there was a time I was. <laughs> it's probably not the best idea. I would not actually recommend doing this. Okay. Uh, I was simultaneously playing a Hearthstone Masters Tour qualifier. At the same time, I was playing in a tournament for Cause of Voices of the Dusk, both digital card games. So I was at my computer. At that mm-hmm. time, I had one big, like, it was like a big TD that I was using for my monitor. So I had, you know, the windows up, and I was switching between them playing. Uh, I think I got, like, top eight in the Masters Tour qualifier, and I took second place in the Kaza tournament. So I I feel like I did pretty well, especially since I was, like, you know, some of the turns I might have roped or something because I was switching back and forth. But what? What a touch. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I have something to say. <laughs> Now, I probably could have done much better if I, you know, in one or the other, if I had played it one at a time. But I think for me at that time, it was all of the time that I had spent, like you guys are saying, I mm. built up all of the like autopilot, quote unquote. You know, people talk about like, oh, you could just autopilot certain plays and certain, you know, styles of play or or if you get really skilled at a deck you can kind of autopilot you know certain turns and i think that literally i had spent so much time building up my like my base level skills so that most of those turns i could autopilot i knew what i was supposed to do with the decks that i brought and so then i could actually multitask and do both of those at the same time until it came to an important decision in one of the games. And then it, that, then it was like, okay, now I have to like really think about this one because I, I have to think about this decision now. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it was all those skills that I had built up. And I think I've seen that with other people who, who do that, you know, in not only multiple card games, but they'll be like really good at a card game. And then uh, like, I, I think of Luna in Hearthstone, right? She's been multi uh, to multiple world championships for hearthstone but she's also very very good at tft and you know so you can kind of take some of those skills and i think especially for those competitive players right they they have that base knowledge of that drive to be competitive but they also know how to learn and they know how to build up those like base skills so that they can kind of autopilot stuff and it saves on stamina if you're spending less time thinking throughout the whole time so it's like all of the things that we've talked about in this episode, I feel like they kind of interconnect and work with each other. I have a very interesting add-on to that exact uh, that exact scenario. Um, so something that I've embraced in my time playing Hearthstone, because it's a digital card game, and that's before I was used to tabletop. I was used to being in front of somebody. Now, all my focus is right here. But with Hearthstone, I've embraced something that I call distracted playing, where I have two monitors. On one monitor, I'll throw up a comedy special or a funny movie or some a football game. And on this monitor, I'll have up 
Hearthstone and I'll be playing matches. Um, I did this with the tournament. It's actually the best Masters Tour qualifier that I had. I would be distracted while I was playing the, the Swiss rounds. Uh, and Masters Tour is single elimination, but there's a point at which you get to top eight or top 16. So um, it's bracketed. So I played distracted the whole time. I was watching this funny movie. It was Dave Chappelle, as a matter of fact. It was a Dave Chappelle comedy special. And I'm just playing. And I'm since I'm distracted watching the Dave Chappelle special going, ha, ha, he, he, every time it's my turn on Hearthstone, all I hear in my headphones is I hear the little the bell to tell me it's my turn. And I look at the cards that I have available to me. I look at what my opponent has available to them. And I make a quick play. I make a play. My brain has – I've played so much Hearthstone. My brain knows what to do before I do. If I start interfering, I'll overthink it and mess it all up is, is where I ended up at. So I started playing distracted, and I would do really well. And then when I actually needed to think, when I needed to concentrate my focus on just the match, I don't feel drained as if I've been in deep, immersive thought all day. If I'm going to lose in the Swiss rounds or in the early rounds, I'm going to lose. But if I'm going to win in the Swiss rounds and not be able to, to, to compartmentalize the game that I'm playing, I'm going to lose in where it hurts. I'm going to lose in the top eight, the top four, the finals. I'm going to lose where it feels terrible. I don't care if I lose in round two, but if I lose in, in top four and only the winner gets to go to the Masters Tour, I'm pissed. I'm upset. And so the, the distracted playing kept my mind at ease while I was playing, and it let the it let my brain do all the work that I thought I had to take over and do. And so that when it was time for my brain to actually do the heavy lifting, it was ready. I didn't win the Masters qualifier, but um, I had a very good run as a result of what I was doing. And so I've embraced distracted playing, and it, it takes it takes the tilt away if I lose. Like I don't. It's like oh whatever, I don't care. Uh, yeah, you could just be like I was distracted anyways. Like it's fine. It like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it adds this longevity to being able to play the game because. If you've ever played Hearthstone or Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic for a long time, and you're really deep in thought, especially if you're playing a control deck or a heavy, heavy combo deck, it is tiring. It's mentally taxing. It hurt to the point where it hurts. So um, interesting that you would talk about like your your focus and having a focus on the game when and how you did so well when you were distracted, going back and forth between the the two. I'm sorry, I'm shaking my camera here. I'm just excited. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, something that's right. very interesting. Distracted playing is a uh, is, is kind of od when you do it yeah. the right way. If I, your I brain is same, there, yeah, I did that same thing. I would play, would be sitting, you know, in our living room playing board games, and like these are you know intense, but not like Monopoly board games. Is like, like Gloomhaven, Zombicide, like you know, intense, like <laughs> heavy focus, lots of pieces, board games, right, right, right. and I'm on my phone playing Hearthstone, Hearthstone too in, yeah, in Masters yeah, yeah. Tour qualifiers like oh okay now oh, my, my turn's over all right oh you know and I, I feel like actually those were some of my my best results in some of those because I was doing that like you said and it was I was reserving that that energy I was reserving that taxing mental energy specifically for when it was really important and when it mattered and that's just, yep. I, I think, honestly, I've never thought about it in that context until our discussion here. And it's like, that totally makes sense that, like, I've built up those skills and kind of created that scenario for myself because of how I've played card games and 
the skills that I've built over time. Exactly. I, I like this. I like playing two <laughs> games. On the, I like playing two games. I mean, there's times that I've played in uh in a modern preliminary or a modern league, and those are just those are just tournaments on Magic the Gathering online. And then I will play a remote duel with some of my friends. Not not tournament, nothing. Hi, Christian. Hi, Christian. How you doing? Haven't spoken since you. I haven't spoken to you in a while. Um, I will bother you and Dom through text later. But um, there's times that I've played on a, a remote duel with a friend on one screen, and everything is timed. So you have 25 minutes for a whole game on MTGO, and I will lose because I'm trying to do this ultimate combo on this on this screen, and then I'm playing on this screen with some friends that I miss, and then right behind me. I I have a wireless. I have my smart TV as my third monitor. If I want to get real funky with it and start doing stock trading and stuff, so yeah, I I I be all over the place. So that that distracted gameplay is very very um, difficult for me. Um, both of y'all two got it with the yeah yeah got it. Or my hat is off to you. <laughs> I can't do it. I mean. When okay, I'm well, when I'm all in, I'm all in. So um, we have what is called. Uh, Donna, you ready for the lightning round? Uh, Let's do it. Okay, so Jarrell, we've got four lightning round questions for you. It is just your first gut instinct reaction. Um, I'm gonna ask, we're gonna ask you. We'll alternate. I'll ask first, and then Don. Four questions. Uh, rattle off whatever you feel about them immediately. Um, tell me when you're ready, and I'll start the questions. Oh my God! I, do I need to comb my hair? Do I need to? <laughs> no, no lifelines here. No oh lifelines. Oh my here. God! Okay, go. Send it up. If you were a card from any of the card games you've ever played, which card would you be? Judgment Dragon. Whew. All right, what is your favorite type or archetype of deck to play? Light Swan, Yu-Gi-Oh. What is one goal you still have for yourself in the card game sphere? In Yu-Gi-Oh, I want to win a tournament. In Magic, I just want to top a tournament first. Ultimately, I want to be, I want to be a very good player in Magic. I mean, my heart is there. And last one, do you prefer physical or digital cards? Mm. Mm. I, and I can't pass, right? I have to answer that. No, you gotta answer that. <laughs> I know you're trying to touch that thing, folks. <laughs> you're trying to, to hand shuffle. <laughs> Look, you touched it. <laughs> I might have to sell that to answer this question. Um. Um. Okay. I like tabletop games, so I like physical cards. However, COVID really messed that up for a lot of people. A lot of people not able to travel like they used to. They got sick loved ones around the world. So I made the adjustment and, you know, I digital cards is where it's at now, depending on how far you live or how you need to play test. 
But if I had to give you a solid choice, I like physical cards. I like to touch the cards. I like to shuffle. Um, yeah. Surprise question. What is your favorite event top and why? I might be banned from this show. Um, <laughs> the, the people want to know <laughs> which one made you like, you was like, I'm that dude. Which, which, which top? Wow. So we're going to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! Because I haven't topped the main Magic Effect. And Yu-Gi-Oh! is where my heart is. I think the event that I was more accomplished or that I felt more accomplished. This goes back to what you said earlier when you mentioned that there's a whole format called the Edison format. I yep. will I will, I have yet to play in this format, but I believe that I was an early pioneer of the format. I and I topped that event. I got two prize cards that event. Yep. And um I believe when me and my friend Joseph was sitting in the room and I made a deck called Petco where they labeled it another yep. deck. But I said that this deck will be named Petco. I'm feeling to go Gorilla Biscuits on somebody. <laughs> like I want this deck to be named what I want it to be. And um, when I topped that event with cards that people wanted me to play, like people wanted me to play a lot of things, but I didn't want to play those, you know? I already had a prize card in my deck. I already had this, that, and the fourth. Like I was feeling myself, feeling myself. Yeah, but anyway, I was feeling myself. So um, I think that was the event that I said, "Wow!" Like I'm like I'm here to stay. Like I topped with a deck that I can honestly say that I felt like I put in some work. Like even though I put in yeah. work with my Life Swan decks and my Gear Gear deck, and even my Ritual Beast deck when I topped nationals. Me topping nationals did not feel the same when I topped that large event in Jersey, where that mm -hmm. that was probably the shortest format. Like, I mean, yeah, that made me feel myself a lot. So, yeah. And and that deck that deck holds up. That deck had uh, Ryko Nimble Mega Hamster. It had like the Lightsworn card, the Card Trooper, Cyber Dragons, the Treeborn Frog. It was crazy. And then like. I felt three I feel like avarice. I, I feel like I don't get a lot of credit for that. Um for that because there was decks similar in that field. There was a lot of decks in that field that was very similar, piloted by other good players that played cards that I would refuse to play. Like um there were some cards that I disagreed with that a couple of people played that in my testing it just didn't come up as valid. You know, and that's what I was trying to explain to everybody earlier, where you can test with something and you can feel like it's good. But if I didn't test with it and I didn't feel like it was good, you can't tell me otherwise anything else because I don't like net decking. You know, right. If you if you see my if you see what I have to do right there, like that's what I do. Like I look through cards. Yeah. I look through cards and I read and I try to sit there with a screen and a spreadsheet, and I try to figure out what decks this car will yeah. go into. Like, you played, like, that's what I do. You played Z-Man the Ape King in that deck. 
I did. Do you know, a lot do you of know, know that nobody else, nobody else played that card? Nobody. I, I don't know you if played. I'm allowed to. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, but la- you can think of all the curse words in the world. Use those <laughs> words to them. If y'all didn't believe in me ever, ever, just remember that somebody believed in me that day, and I topped. <laughs> And I brought that card up. So for everyone that didn't know what the card did, they knew what it did now. Yep. Oh, why you don't Z-Man play Black Rose? Why you don't play? No. Oh. It's, it's funny because me and my friend Joseph was talking about it. He said that he think I should have played the Air Knight Parshaw for seven drop synchro. And I said, what was wrong with Ape King? Like, there's nothing wrong with Ape King. What was wrong with it? You tell me what was wrong with Ape King. I, to this day, it? to this day, can't nobody told me. Nobody was told me what's wrong with it. Never getting mirror forced or deprisoned. I'm trying to never, tell somebody. Never get mirror forced or deprisoned. That's what Jeff played. Jeff played one mirror force, two deprisoned, and you played Z Man the Ape King. Oh, oh, I mean, I we all got prize cards at that end, at the end of that. We all got prize cards. Yeah, I mean, true, true, true. I, I we're no like I was playing with Dark and Dragon because I got it, you know, before I sold them, I got it, you know, like people forget, people forget. And you know, a lot of TCG make cards banking that people won't play them. So yeah. Believable. So Jarrell, tell us um as we as we get ready to wrap up, tell the guests where we can follow you, where we can find you, and we'll we'll also include those links uh in the show notes. But just so we, we can hear from, from Pro Winston himself, where can we find you at? Well, before anything, um, let me just say thank you. Let me just say thank you. Thank you to Don. Thank you to Dom. Um, thank you for having me on this um, channel. Thank you for having me on your show. I've always been a genuine person. I've, I've always spoke from my heart. And um, it means a lot. You know, I never was the one to chase clout. Um, I loved being a part of things. Yes. I love doing my intro. I love doing YouTube videos. I love doing my outro. I love being on people's channel, but only if it was genuine, you know, um, when Dom reached out to me, I was celebrating my birthday in New Orleans. And, um, I just came from Miami, Florida to Texas and New Orleans, but he reached out to me and said, yo, bro, um, I want you on the show. I said, no problem. It's not even a question, you know, um, that's how I am. I'm just that genuine type of person. Um, it means a lot to even speak about certain things. I never, I never said to anybody. And to this day, it still holds true. I never said that I was the greatest. I never said that I was the best. I never said that I was unstoppable. I just always said that I'm a believer that I'm humble, and one day I will be a force to be reckoned with. So um, for everybody that supported me throughout the years, for everybody that supported the pro Winston anything, when I used to sell shirts when I first started with a white tee and a black marker, or when I used to um, walk up to people and just, you know, take a picture with them, or when people came up to me asking me for pictures, or um before i got married to my wife i would travel around the world a little bit more to all those people 
who even takes time to write me, to text me, to check on me, to check on my mother. I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, it was because of y'all that I went on YouTube and had all these thousands of views, all these subscribers. It was because of you that I still continue to do what I did. I never stopped doing those things because of you. I stopped doing it because of work for obvious reasons that I won't disclose here. But um, I would never forget what y'all have done for me. And I just wanted to say thank you again. So in saying all of that, I had to say thank you. And um, I would never forget y'all. My Twitter is Pro Winston. Um, you should see me in a green jumpsuit on Twitter. That that link will be provided at a later time. Um, my Twitch is also Pro Winston. I kept it real simple. Um, even though now I'm being told that Overwatch has a Pro Winston and blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm kind of getting pissed with this, but <laughs> I'll take that up at a later date for some people. Um, I have two things that I disagree with. This Edison format not being named Petco format. That's a joke. And um, Pro Winston and Overwatch. That character should look like me, like an ape. Like... But anyway, so, um, and my Facebook, like I told you, is Pro Winston. I do have two Facebooks, but one is for work and it's personal. Don't feel a type of way if I do not accept you on it. It's just because I can't. When they do their random background checks and stuff, I don't want them saying things that doesn't bother me bothers them right and then i have to answer for them and i don't really want to go through all of that so um yes that's my facebook my facebook is pro winston um let me just make sure that it is that yeah so yeah my facebook is pro winston i know you can hyphenate it so it is pro, um www.facebook.com slash pro.winston.3 that's what it says here whatever that means but you can see me in a um <laughs> You should see me in a orange dress shirt and that, and my Twitter and Twitch is the same thing. I do, I do stream Magic a lot more than Yu-Gi-Oh. I haven't found my niche in Yu-Gi-Oh right now. Like it's not, it's not coming to me. Like I know the format right now. I do watch a lot of YouTube streams, but it's not, it's not coming to me. But um, yeah, you can find me on those three things. My Pro Winston. Facebook has always been the same for the last couple of years. Twitter, I use a lot more right now, and Twitch. My YouTube is also Pro Winston. It's the same thing. My YouTube is Pro Winston. I haven't did a video yet because I know the larger base that I have is Yu-Gi-Oh! And I don't want to really insult y'all by putting up a Magic um, video yet if I can't really... Um... Do it. Okay. So... Do it. Okay, I will yes. I will focus on it. <laughs> I can do a magic video real fast um, and stuff like that. But yeah, you can find me on those four resources. I don't do Instagram and I don't do Snapchat for card games. I don't really I don't really get into it yet. So that's it, really. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And for anybody listening uh, on the audio, we'll have those uh, links all in the show notes as well. But for this week, thank you. I mean, thank you, Jarrell. Thank you for, for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. It was, I, I loved every second of it. Um, 
And thank you. thank you to everybody for for listening and joining us this week. And if you or someone that you know would be interested in joining us, please reach out to us. We would love to have you or somebody else that you know on the show. So you can email us at tccgroundtable at protonmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, tccgroundtable. Use our top pinned tweet for the link to our Discord. And you can also get the, dis- uh, the Discord link in the description or the show notes. Check out the video versions. And I will say, if you are not checking out the video version, if you are just listening on the audio, you absolutely at least have to come back to this to this VOD, this episode. <laughs> Go to the lightning round. When Itachi asked the bonus question, you gotta go back and see Jarrell's <laughs> like surprise, like deer in headlights face. It was the best. Look at his face. But you should you should check out the whole thing on in a video. But definitely stop by and check out the videos. Uh, YouTube.com slash Dragon Rider TCCG uh, and and check that out. But you can also find us everywhere that you can find audio podcasts as well. So if you do want to check out an audio version, you can find that there. And we'll have uh, links for myself and Itachi in the show notes and all of that as well. So you can find us individually. But I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. So thank you everyone for joining us. And oh, yes. One more thing. And y'all already know if it's not pro, we got the go deuces. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you at the round table. Have a good night. Take care.